The Entrepreneur MBA podcast purpose is to help existing business owners grow their companies past the $10 million in revenue per year benchmark. Here is your host, Stephen Holastic. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Holastic, and I'm co-founder of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions provides easy-to-set-up lines of credit for small businesses. And I will be your host today for the Nonprofit MBA Podcast. If you are interested in learning more about a line of credit for your business, which, of course, I would highly recommend. I've had it one myself for 25 years. Uh, please visit our website at fscreditline.com. That's FS as in Financing Solutions, creditline.com. Over the last 25 years, I've built six companies in the $5 million to $25 million range, including two companies on the Inc. 500 fastest growing companies in the United States. I love learning from people with business experience. And today I am very excited to be speaking with Irina Padub Naya. And uh, Irina, welcome to today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. Stephen, uh, I'm excited to be here with you today and uh, thank you for having me. Well, I'm excited that I pronounced your last name correct. So, you know, I, I, it, that's uh, for me, that's the big, bigger challenge. It's a bigger challenge for me to pronounce your last name than it is for me to run a business usually. So, uh, you know, uh, let, let, let's get into a little bit about your background. Uh, Irina is the founder of Track uh, Mag, uh software for uh, which is package tracking that includes sales and customer retention by providing an outstanding post-purchase customer experience. Her journey started from running a fulfillment center in China for 2.5 years, and I might add, without speaking Chinese. And she went to launching a SaaS uh, company completely remotely without external funding and running successfully to currently to this day. So what it, what did what does TrackMage do exactly? Uh, well, TrackMage actually is uh, a platform uh, that helps uh, e-commerce store owners uh, provide better post-purchase experience uh, by providing shipping updates to the customers. Uh, so everything that happens after the buy button uh, is pressed uh, and uh, on the back end. Uh, so this is all handled by TrackMage and it helps uh, e-commerce store owners actually gain more freedom uh, by automating the routine stuff. Oh. Uh, so it literally just uh, sends those emails to customers about the whereabouts of the package, uh, then asks for reviews on autopilot and uh, also upsells them additional products uh, while we're looking uh, at the package that's traveling to their destination. So it's a big problem, huh? Uh, well, it is a big uh, opportunity, I would say. It's not uh, a big problem for a business that actually handles it well. Uh, uh. It's a problem for those businesses uh, that uh, don't provide a good uh, post-purchase experience and they uh, face uh, customer support requests, uh, like endless customer uh, questions from uh, like various places because customers don't usually stop uh, at just writing one email. They write multiple when they are uh, looking for information. Uh, so uh, it actually eliminates that part of uh, overwhelming customer support uh, requests. Uh, then uh, what also it does, it prevents uh, customer anxiety uh, and uh, those uh, lingering feelings where people actually press the refund button or charge back. Uh, because uh, 
then you're not sure uh, if uh, something is getting uh, to you. So if your product is going to get there, uh, you're prompted to really take the measures into your own hands. So that's what TrackMage actually handles. And um, I know your your company's based out of Europe. So or uh, uh, so is does it work well internationally? Uh, well, actually, it's based in Hong Kong. Uh, because okay. uh, when we started this company, we were uh, back in China, and uh, it was very natural for us to open the company there. Uh, so this company uh, is completely uh, location agnostic. Uh, we support over a thousand carrier companies uh, from all over the world. Uh, so all the like all the carriers that you can think about, like FedEx, DHL, UPS, uh, PostNL, uh, whichever uh, carrier they are using. Uh, so. We are also, uh, we have a lot of localization uh, functionality uh, so that uh, the customers can see uh, all the messages in their own language or and uh, their tracking page also in their own language. So we literally, we built this company to run internationally from the get-go. Well, I guess, you know, it makes sense. I mean, I, I, I asked that question because uh, packaging is internationally, right? Yes. You're not, you're not going to run a... A, a local package company that's tracking packages because you know everyone's shipping all over the world. So it's kind of uh, it must be a fascinating industry. I know I know you've probably been doing it for a long time, but you know to see how things get shipped it is quite amazing, isn't it? Well, it is, uh, especially when you see uh, the overall uh, shipment volume and how uh, it like actually changes between the different carriers and different destinations. So uh, you can definitely just uh, get a lot of insight uh, by understanding to which destination which carrier should be picked. Uh, it's an optimization uh, point where businesses actually can earn money uh, by making good decisions. So uh, if, uh, I don't know, like UPS uh, for a certain destination doesn't work, but DHL does, uh, it makes much more sense to uh, select DHL. All right. Well, good. I mean, I could ask you a million other questions. I love business. I just, it's to me, business and people are fascinating. Like I always want to know someone's backstory uh, personally. And also when they have a business, you know, it's just, it's fascinating to me. I just think it's great. Let's let's get into today's topic. And today's topic is strategies that help e-commerce businesses survive in a highly competitive market. So, you know, the number one biggest thing as far as a strategy go to help e-commerce businesses survive in a highly competitive market, what is the number one biggest thing that you think is uh, the most important? I believe uh, the most important, uh, and it's probably a little bit counterintuitive, uh, it is uh, to have a strong uh, brand uh, and a strong following. Uh, just because uh, when you are in e-commerce in in and when you introduce new products, you always need to be sure that they are going to sell. Uh, and if you are just starting uh, and you are not sure uh, that the, the product is going to sell, it probably uh, doesn't uh, like make sense to invest uh, a lot more money into inventory. Uh, so uh, if uh, the business is literally just uh, like some kind of a side hustle uh, that uh, the business owner is running to test uh, the waters or to test uh, that the margins are good, uh, it probably makes sense to first uh, make sales and then buy the inventory. So the dropshipping model or something uh, like an arrangement uh, with uh, your supplier. Uh, so that's uh, the, the best uh, part. 
Uh, and uh, if you start from a brand, uh, you literally have an unlimited capacity to sell uh, additional products to the same customer base. So when you're growing a brand and uh, it gathers uh, a lot more uh, attention and a lot more customers uh, that have a good experience with that brand, uh, you have uh, the ability to introduce more and more products to that same customer. Uh, and literally a lot of uh, businesses, they start from this uh, crazy idea to sell uh, something like dude wipes. Uh, so just uh, those uh, products for uh, men uh, that naturally were always marketed to women. Uh, and uh, then they just established the new sub-niche uh, or sub-niche category and they gained a uh, strong following and people support the brand, not because they love the product, but also because they love the brand itself and the messaging of it. So the first thing might be uh, just to start from the idea stage uh, where you don't have to invest a lot of money. You just need to be, uh, you just need to understand uh, your uh, prospective customer. And you need to understand how we are buying and why we are buying. Yeah, I think, you know, I just did the, the last uh, uh, podcast I did was about branding, right? Um, and but, so, I, you know, it's interesting when you say this because it didn't come up in that podcast that I did about branding. But I think about like, I guess over the last 10 years, I've really got involved in, in un buying from brands that I really, 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 really like. So an example would be this shirt I'm wearing now, right? It's, it's, it, the, the company's called Cull, K-U-H-L. And I, I think I'm a walking billboard for that company. And the reason being is that they make all of their um, clothing the, in a, out of a material that's stretchy and that's comfortable to me. And so I know when I buy stuff from them, it's going to be consistently the same way. It fits me well and it's going, and I'm not telling anybody out there something that they don't already know, but I've noticed that with a lot of different things now. And I think you're right. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, you have to say, what is it that my brand is going to stand for? What is it that my customers can expect every time they get something from me? And, and you're right. That's from the drawing board. And then you can't waver from that. Right. Is yeah. that, you know, is, you know, is that what you're saying? Because, yes. Uh, the alternative way would be to just start a company that's going to be, uh, I don't know, catering to the current trends. So then you just do some research on, uh, Amazon and see what sells well. And then you come up with a product with a, like with a tiny uh, detail that's going to stand out from the crowd, but it's still pretty much the same product. And you understand that it's going to sell, of course, but are you going to build a sustainable business out of it? But what if that product just goes out of fashion? Or what if the seasonal demand is not going to be there uh, all the time? That's why a lot of, uh, like a lot of dropshippers and uh, a lot of uh, people who are just getting in e-commerce, they start from seasonal demand. They just sell, uh, for example, Christmas trees uh, when uh, it's close to Christmas. But with seasonal demand, uh, you don't really build uh, this sustainable business. It's just like this uh, huge wave of orders. When you fulfill them, then that, that's it. That's the end of your business. And that's why it's much more uh, sustainable to think long term. Uh, so uh, I've seen some interesting, uh, interesting examples where the business was built around uh, an idea that all the customers love cats. 
and then they built a store that sells cat merch, like the t-shirts, the caps, the, uh, I don't know, like all the little figurines. And they never really run out of ideas what to sell uh, because like probably cats are the most lovable animals on the internet. And that's why there is an unlimited supply of uh, different merchandise that can be introduced. And they even do uh, certain things like drops. So they create a merchandise uh, like specifically themed, for example, for Halloween. Uh, and then they drop that merchandise to never reintroduce it again in the uh, line. So that's very similar to fashion. But when it comes to e-commerce, uh, it's very hard to sustain uh, the same amount of sales, uh, regardless of the seasonality. So, you think that... I'm sorry, finish your sentence. Uh, sure, 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 sure. Uh, I, I was just saying that uh, like, regardless of seasonality, uh, in, uh, like, in digital first world, we need to think about scarcity as well. Because the customers, uh, when they have infinite choice of uh, products that they can buy, uh, why would they buy your product right now? Because, well, it's never going to be on sale again. That's it. Yeah. I th Do you think that because everything has gone, that so many things have gone, do you think branding has become a bigger deal now because of the internet or... You know, I think I think it has to be honest with you, and and I just for the stupid reason that you know when I order something, it's such a pain in the neck to return it. <laughs> I want to make sure that I'm getting the right stuff. You know that that I don't want to have to return it. It's that mm. it sounds stupid, but do you? So my question to you is: Do you think the internet and e-commerce with the word e? Uh, has made branding even more important than it used to be? I believe that's the future. And uh, that's why uh, certain companies uh, in the market, they are, right now they are just uh, probing the, the trends and uh, they see that uh, the creators are the future. Because a lot of uh, creators, they start their own uh, online stores and they start to sell the merchandise of, of their brand, uh, their personal brand or with uh, some other idea that they have. And uh, those creators, they literally generate the demand. People buy uh, from them just because they want to buy, uh, not because uh, they need that product, but because they want. It's an impulse buy. And uh, that's very hard to compete with uh, certain uh, offline uh, stores like Walmart or some bigger uh, outlets where you can just have an infinite choice of T-shirts. Like, it's really hard. But when you sell something that's unique, uh, and it stands out and you will never be able to get it elsewhere, that makes it uh, a very strong reason for the buyers to buy it online and buy it from that specific brand. And of course, uh, back to your point, uh, when you already made the choice and you have your uh, preference when it comes to a brand, you will probably not think twice about like, are you buying from the, your favorite brand or from the other brand that you don't know anything about, like, for example. Yeah, yeah. So, so tell me, like, the branding that you do for your business. Tell me some of the highlights of the things that you think really, like, when you focus on branding, tell me some of the things you focus on. So, uh, right now, uh, we're going through this uh, big rebranding for uh, our own service. Uh, so uh, I started from the narrative uh, as well. So uh, TrackMage is all about uh, freedom. 
Uh, and uh, it's not very obvious uh, because we are dealing in the supply chain, uh, shipment tracking, upsells, and etc. cetera. Uh, it's just the features that we have. But what uh, is at the core uh, of uh, the brand uh, that I want to create, uh, it's not yet there. Uh, it's not yet fully uh, implemented uh, how I want it. But it's this uh, feeling that uh, whenever you start your uh, e-commerce business, you don't have to be a slave to your business. You don't have to uh, just uh, track all the packages yourself, uh, communicate to all, every uh, single customer. Uh, you don't have to uh, routinely just uh, like copy-paste uh, all this information. So uh, with automation, you can just free yourself out of this uh, routine that is really, I mean, it's soul-sucking, I would say. Uh, because TrackMage, uh, for me, originally started back in China when I was running a fulfillment center and I was packing the boxes. I was checking all those statuses. I was communicating to all, the, all those suppliers. And it was really uh, like this self-servitude that I created that I didn't really have to do. Uh, and uh, at that point, I realized that uh, for, for the, the best reasons, when we get into business, we actually want to create freedom for ourselves, not more work. Uh, for the sake of work. And that's why uh, TrackMage, uh, like right now, uh, we're focusing on uh, just showing that we got you, like we, we got your back uh, when it comes to processing and uh, fulfillment and uh, shipment tracking and customer support. So that's uh, the idea. So you, you can focus on the stuff that truly matters, like maybe uh, your marketing or uh, creation or uh, spending time with your family, regardless of what you choose, uh, it's going to be your choice, not just like, I don't know, like uh, shipment tracking, sending uh, emails to customers and etc. So tell me something, I know this is going to be an unusual question and hard, uh, which is certainly my MO, but tell me something that you think you're struggling with on your brand right now. Well, uh, I guess uh, it would be consistency with uh, the messaging because uh, whenever I explain to all our uh, like virtual assistants and uh, other marketing uh, personnel uh, what the messaging is, uh, it's uh, really uh, it really comes down to this vision. I lived this life. I like I lived through creation of this uh, product, and I know how it uh, how it works, and uh, I know everything basically uh, in this uh, company. But when it comes to uh, communicating it to another person, uh, it's trickier and there needs to be uh, a system and standard. Uh, so what we have right now is we just literally set up the branding guidelines. We had uh, like lengthy uh, kickoff calls with uh, all the people who are getting involved. And uh, well, branding needs to be consistent and it needs to communicate uh, in a single voice, not in a variety of uh, different voices with uh, very sparse messaging. So that's uh, what I'm struggling with, just consistency. <laughs> when, you're, when you're working on your branding, um, you know, when you're kind of addressing it and you're, t you're talking about uh, making improvements, do you, do you actually do you put it in writing? Do you have a branding sheet, so to speak, where you're putting it all down, saying this is what we stand for, this is our mission, this is our purpose, this is what our products need to do, that type of thing? Yeah, countless of times, I would say, even uh, because I've been writing, rewriting, writing, rewriting. Uh, I also have a book in the making uh, that's uh, going to help uh, e-commerce store owners uh, just literally understand how it goes from like point zero to the biggest uh, possible outcome where they have uh, 
I don't know, uh, their private label and uh, they have to manage inventory and uh, multiple uh, locations and etc. So, uh, like, it literally started from uh, just this uh, consistent effort of writing everything down and uh, making sure that it makes sense. Because, uh, yeah, without that, uh, it's really hard to stay consistent and uh, it's really hard to communicate the same thing to the other people who are working in the business. Yeah, I, I need to see it in writing. So like I need, you know, I would say 90% of the business owners I know, and I know a lot of business owners, like hundreds and hundreds, thousands maybe. Um, it's very unusual for them to put keep a business plan, right? And I, you know, I'm a firm believer that uh, people who have business plans that's in writing, that's reviewed often, have a less chance of failure. And this is the reason why I, you know, I, I believe in it because I, it helps me. But, you know, it comes to the point about getting something in writing. You know, I, I also believe in keeping it short too. Like I believe in a one-page strategic business plan, right? I don't believe in a 30-page strategic plan. So have you... Do you follow a methodology for your branding from somebody else? Or did you just kind of make it up on your own based on what you thought you wanted? Well, uh, when it comes to our own brand, uh, I literally uh, started from some tutorials on the internet. I wouldn't be lying uh, and saying that uh, I picked uh, some specific methodology. Uh, so it was uh, just, uh, we started from the brand book uh, where we uh, discussed the messaging and we discussed the key, uh, I mean, key characters that are going to represent the brand uh, and the colors and all this stuff. Uh, so it was literally uh, just me and the designer discussing with back and forth and then introducing that to the team and then indicating them. And uh, it just escalated with, uh, like, with like step-by-step process. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So it was great adoption. It gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. That's 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 cool. All right. So we talked about the the first thing, and that is in regards to successfully competing in an e-commerce marketplace, that you need to have a brand. You need to stand for. You know, you need to have, know what your brand stands for. Everything having to do with branding. That's number one. What what would you say number two is? Well, the number two with the current uh, circumstances, I would say, uh, would be either customer retention or inventory. Uh, because uh, one and the other, they are both uh, competing for the second place. Uh, so when it comes to customer retention, because we are entering a recession, and some people argue that we are already in recession, uh, that uh, we need to really uh, figure out a way to not only acquire new customers, but also retain them in the business. Uh, so the more customers we retain, uh, the less we have to spend on acquiring new customers to just continue uh, getting existing uh, like existing figures that we're getting every month. So uh, that, that would be one. And the second one would be inventory, uh, because with the current supply chain challenges, uh, like customers, they tend to even refund uh, the purchases that are getting to them in like two weeks or three weeks. Uh, and uh, with uh, shipping from China, that's a really long time, for example. Uh, and uh, that's why uh, it probably makes sense to uh, source locally or uh, at least buy it uh, beforehand and then uh, distribute uh, between the customers. 
some very bold uh, marketers, uh, they try to resell Amazon even just to cut that last mile delivery. Uh, so they literally just resell uh, the products that they buy from Amazon. So uh, I would say that these two are very closely related and uh, they might uh, make or break uh, the business in this trying time. Yeah, so it was it was re- customer retention, and what was the second word? It was it inventory or yes, inventory. Yes, inventory. Inventory. Okay, I'm sorry. The, um, very good. Uh, and you know the thing about customer retention too is, I think it even if you're early, I think early on in your business, if you really focus on customer retention, it it really will build your company so that. Uh, the next person coming on board will stay longer too, right? So customer retention has the ability to really shine a light on what your company is not doing good at, or also shows you the things that you are doing really good at for marketing. So that you, like, if you talk to a client, you really get to know them. Why you, why do you like us? Why don't you like us? You know, all those things. If they find out why they like you, then you can say, oh, well, now I can use that in my marketing. Not that person, not a, not a testimonial, but this is the thing that caught their attention about us. And so I think always learning about your customer allows you to grow a, a business that's you know really responsive to customer needs, which is like a no-brainer, right? Like I think this second part that you're talking about, customer retention, Right. It is like when you say like, okay, yeah, well, of course, but it's probably the thing that people forget about the most because you're always trying to get new customers. Right. Right. That's definitely true. And uh, marketers, they make every effort to sell you this dream of like, oh, you need the next uh, sales funnel or you need uh, the next best thing that is going to get you more customers. But if you are not retaining any customers, it's almost like uh, it's literally yeah. a funnel uh, where you uh, drop, like the more water you drop, like the more water just comes out of our end. Uh, but it doesn't uh, get, uh, it, it doesn't get accelerating and uh, it doesn't really grow. Uh, so what uh, we've been seeing uh, is that uh, the other model uh, really works better. So uh, instead of uh, thinking of your marketing as a funnel where you like attract more customers and then you convert them and then that's it, uh, you should think about it as a flywheel. Uh, originally, this term was introduced by HubSpot uh, when they were thinking about like what they were doing uh, with their marketing and how it was different. Uh, so they just had to reinvent the funnel. Uh, so instead of a funnel, uh, this one is circular. Uh, so you just get uh, the same customers buying again and again from the same company. And that's how you get those loyal fans uh, and loyal customers for life. Uh, because you uh, treat your customer support uh, and everything uh, that comes after the purchase, the service side, as part of marketing. And you don't treat it as a cost center, but as a profit center. Because you yep. understand that uh, every customer retained is uh, five times more valuable than uh, every new customer that you acquire. Just because it's uh, five times cheaper to retain a customer than uh, it is to acquire a new customer. What do, you, what do you do during your day, your week, your month to understand why customers leave? What do you do? What do you watch? Mm. What do you look at? 
Well, actually, uh, it just depends on uh, if we're talking about uh, the businesses of our customers when we do optimization or uh, if we're talking about TrackMage itself, because uh, software as a service is uh, very different from, uh, from e-commerce. So I would just want to clarify which one you're more interested in. Well, I would say both, but, you know, what do you pay attention to, to, to notice customer retention? Uh, so the first one would be the churn rate, of course. Uh, so when you have a customer that only bought once, uh, that's just like one uh, one time purchase, uh, and uh, the probability of them buying again uh, is only twenty seven percent. Then, uh, if you uh, ma- manage to convince that customer to buy two times, the probability of them buying for the third time is forty seven percent higher than the previous. So it's mm. like one hundred forty seven. Uh, I would say. Uh, and then uh, if uh, you would say, uh, if you convince them to buy uh, two times in a row and then the third one, uh, the probability is 57%. So they are very staying there. They're, they're customers for life. And I've seen that in my own behavior as well. So when I buy from a certain brand, uh, there is a huge uh, chance that I'm going to buy from them again. Uh, if I like uh, the, the product and I like the service and I like what the brand stands for, uh, that's exactly what's going to happen. Uh, so, of course, uh, it depends on uh, what kind of offer they are introducing next. Uh, but again, it's the probability is still on their side because I already bought from them. I got a good experience. I know what to expect. Uh, and this is exactly why I'm buying. So, I, yeah. I like, I love where you went because I tell you, I'll, when I meet other business owners, I'll know how good of a business owner they are often when they can, off the top of their head, tell me ratios, statistics. It shows me that they know their business, right? Um, And, you know, knowing KPIs, key performance indicators, all those things. Do you ever uh, call up a client and say, hey, why did you leave us? Well, uh, we don't call. Uh, we usually just send uh, emails. Uh, and uh, yeah, well, it's been effective sometimes. Uh, but the customers, they tend to not even share why they left. That's why we've been using some beha- behavior analytics tools, uh, something like Hotjar, uh, where you can literally see what the customer clicked uh, and what happened. Uh, and uh, we've been uh, really improving the interface based on uh, what we've seen the customers actually do on the pages versus uh, what we actually imagined they, they should do. There is a famous uh, I mean, meme on the internet about the free cats uh, and the balls, like the customer intuitive interface and then how the customers actually behave. Uh, you, can, you can Google that one if, you've, if, if you haven't seen. So the thing is, uh, so for software as a service, it just needs to be convenient and it needs to do what it uh, tells it's going to do. Uh, so that's exactly uh, the like the KPIs that we have for ourselves. Uh, and that's how we measure uh, if the customers actually get the result that they are uh, after uh, with the system. So it's definitely like, it's uh, it's just a balance between uh, understanding what the customers really want uh, and uh, making sure that we actually exceed the expectations. So I, I'm always brainstorming like what we could do differently from the competition and what we could do uh, slightly better. Uh, than everyone else. So we have a couple of minutes left and let's get a third one in. Um, yeah. you know, we talk about branding, we talk about customer retention. 
uh, and also acquiring new clients, of course. But uh, what do you think the third top thing is to for e-commerce companies to do to, to be successful in a competitive marketplace? Well, uh, I probably already mentioned it. So, like the inventory. Uh, so that's what uh, that's what going to be really important. Uh, so that's just because of the supply chain issues. Uh, and yeah, uh, yeah. We, we don't really know. We don't really know when it's going to change, uh, depending on the situation. So when COVID uh, first started, uh, everyone was saying like, "Oh, it's the trying times." But actually, the e-commerce side, like uh, everyone was like still yeah. growing and like everything was booming just because uh, everyone was locked uh, in their homes and uh, they had to buy stuff online. So that's the that's what we're not seeing right now. So this is kind of like rebound uh, and uh, we are not getting the same uh, amount of like crazy sales uh, that we've been getting in e-commerce. So uh, with inventory, uh, you really lower the uh, probability uh, of the customer actually refunding the purchase uh, because we are getting a bit faster. Uh, yeah. So sourcing locally or making sure that you have enough uh, stock to uh, at least uh, send it to the customer right away. Uh, that's, uh, that's very important right now. Uh, and previously, uh, that was the age of dropshipping where everyone was sourcing from China and uh, everyone was really happy with uh, how like how high the margins were. But right now, it's no longer the case because whenever the customer is really waiting for one month, one month and a half, the, the probability of them refunding their purchase is close to 100%, regardless of what you do. So that's why uh, it probably makes sense to really optimize your supply chain for faster delivery uh, and uh, make sure that you have enough stock uh, just to, to supply to the customers when they buy. Yeah, it's certainly, it's, you're, you, it's a really good point because it's certainly uh, become a, a, a competitive advantage to be able to deliver the product in a reasonable amount of time because it, it's, it's such, well, I, you know, you could also say too that competition from like Amazon has raised that bar because, yes. you know, I mean, if, you know, Amazon delivers it tomorrow and another company delivers it in two weeks, uh, it, 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 you know, it's just Amazon has changed how the expectations of the customer. Right. Yes. And so, you know, I wouldn't have thought of that as, you know, delivery time, you know, I think if you're in e-commerce, you think about it all the time because you probably get cancellations of orders because if, if it's going to take too long, right? Yes. Um, so do you think – well, I'll, I'll ask this uh, differently. Was uh, – if I had asked you the same question four years ago, would you have said inventory was one of the top three? I would say that uh, probably uh, marketing or sales would have taken that uh, part just because uh, it was more important to get the customer and then the fulfillment was a secondary thought. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and right now uh, it literally just changes the landscape because uh, if the customer is not getting the product, it doesn't matter how good your marketing was and how low your cost of acquisition was because you've lost money automatically there uh, because the customer, if uh, they... A refund and uh, they don't really uh, like that doesn't result in some positive uh, cash flow for your company so that's yeah. why uh, 
in the current landscape, uh, really, uh, you need to source locally or uh, use some fulfillment centers that are uh, closer to your customers uh, and uh, that it cuts down the uh, delivery time. And back to your point about Amazon being the juggernaut that uh, really changed uh, the industry and uh, they literally uh, raised the expectations uh, higher. Uh, what they do uh, is uh, they literally in involve the customer in the uh, like all the updates about the order. You never have any surprises uh, about uh, when the like when that uh, product is going to be delivered and when they are going to get it. And uh, they even have a Alexa assistant uh, replying yeah. to all the questions about the product. So that's uh, that's what the current expectation is. But uh, when we're talking about household brands or some brands that are not uh, present on Amazon or that's not their only uh, distribution channel, uh, we, we still need to provide uh, that same uh, sort of uh, customer experience for the uh, shoppers. We, we still expect to get the proactive updates about the order delivery date, uh, and they still expect uh, some good customer support on the back of that of it all. Because yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I would. I'm going to tell you something though. I first time I ever saw it, I use Amazon a ton, and uh, they did screw up once where they uh, <laughs> sorry to say once, but they screwed up with me where they told me a product was going to be shipped in a month. And I got it the very next day. <laughs> so it, you know, and you know, it was a big screw up on their part because when I found out, I guess through the email that it was coming in a month, I, I canceled, I canceled it and I ordered it from another company, which was an Apple watch, mm -hmm. right? It was expensive. Right. And then it still showed up the next day. So I had to return it and uh, stuff like that. So it's the first time I've ever seen them make a big mistake like that. You know, that was pretty serious. So, um, yeah. Well, listen, it was good stuff. I really, I think I learned a lot. I don't know a ton about e-commerce, so I thought it was really, really interesting. I did own a SaaS company for a long time, and I, uh, boy, SaaS companies are great. <laughs> they're just great businesses. Uh, it, they're, they're, it's a lot of fun to run. Um so uh, I, I'd like to thank so very much Irina Padubnaya for coming on today's podcast. Her company is Track Mage. It's T-R-A-C-K-M-A-G-E. I actually looked at your website while we were talking. It looks good. I like it. And, um, and uh, you know, if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. And please also give us a review uh, if you really liked our podcast. Five-star reviews are much appreciated. It helps us get the word out. And if you're looking for a line of credit for your business, uh, you know, please call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at fscreditline.com. That's FS as in Financing Solutions, creditline.com. Irina, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Uh, the best way would be through our website. Uh, it's uh, Uh Then I'm uh, also Googleable, I would say. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, and uh, I would gladly connect uh, with uh, everyone who's interested in uh, any sort of collaboration. Uh, so, yeah, these are probably the best places to find me and uh, track me. Good. Thanks. I really appreciate you coming on. 
Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. So I think the takeaway for me today was something that Irina said about customers and, you know, everybody knows that you need to be customer focused, right? But if you can get really, really, really detailed about understanding your customer and making that a company culture, and I, I think it just drives you as an e-commerce company to be like the best. I mean, how many books do we need to see about that topic before, you know, you need to really, really focus on it, bringing it to another le level. And I think that's what makes your company going to be really outstanding to be able to compete in a competitive marketplace. It's about doing it better than somebody else. That's the key.